Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And be sure to ring the notification bell in the upper right-hand corner so you are notified each time a brand new episode goes live on YouTube. And with that, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always. It's always a delight having you. And... Today's episode is dedicated to Shamsa, whom generously donated $100. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, and we will answer the question at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And today's episode is once again dedicated to Shamsa, but we also have a secondary dedication. And that dedication is to all of you listening to this episode and all of those who have subscribed to the channel over the last couple of years. This, in the last week, we crossed the 20,000 subscriber milestone, and I am humbled, grateful, and honored that people have subscribed to the channel and that we were able to hit this mark. There is no Nate the Hate featuring MVG without the community, and the fact that we have over 20,000 people as members of this community is truly a privilege and something that I am honored and feel blessed to have. This is a very positive community, a community willing to have a nuanced conversation and not only enjoy talking games, but also learning about them and having an informed conversation about the industry, gaming, companies, and everything that makes the hobby that we all love such a joy to engage with. So thank you to each and every one of you whom have subscribed to the channel, whether you're a new member or a longtime member, I am grateful for your contribution and support. Yeah, I just wanted to um, say the same thing. Thanks to everyone for ongoing support to the Nate the Hate channel and podcast. We um, were very, very humbled, the two of us, to uh, to reach that 20,000 milestone. And look, um, if anyone has ever listened to our show, left a comment, left a thumbs up, left a thumbs down, said something positive, said something negative, or being mm-hmm. criti- critical of our show, we, you know, we, we don't always get it right. Sometimes we, we mess things up. Um, we're, we're only human after all, but we, we appreciate the ongoing engagement and collaboration, and we look forward to many, many more years of continued podcasts. So thanks again. Yes, well said. And today we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct that just aired. This was Nintendo's first Direct of 2023. But instead of giving a general recap of what we saw in the show I want to address how this Direct really set the tone for Nintendo's 2023 and how what was conveyed by Nintendo and the third-party partners will influence the remainder of 2023 for Nintendo and the Switch. And the first game I want to talk about here is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This was a game that really had minimal presence in this opening direct. And it felt as though that was kind of a statement by Nintendo, just not the statement people were expecting. People were expecting, you know, Tears of the Kingdom to have a 
more dominant presence at this first direct of the year. And instead, yeah, I mean, it felt I, as I though said, it was second. I said, yeah, I said last week when mm-hmm. we did predictions that I felt like there's going to be at least 10 minutes worth. Yeah. Of, of Tears of the Kingdom, maybe a, a, more of a deep dive and, and a gameplay kind of feature. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any of that. We just got a another trailer, which looked cool. And there were some more things that they kind of gave away about the game. Uh, if you kind of look closely, you, you pick things up. But yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, trailers of Tears of the Kingdom before. And this one just felt like a continuation of that, where they weren't really giving us much. And I think, well, I mean, what does that mean? You know, does that mean that we're going to get like a treehouse type event or a, um, a separate Zelda Direct mm-hmm. coming up? Probably. But I did, I was a little surprised by Tears of the Kingdom, Nate, to be honest with you. I felt like it was going to have a bigger impact than what it did. Yeah, the fact that it felt as though it was kind of a secondary role mm-hmm. to the grand scheme of the Direct definitely seemed to take people by surprise. Because as you said, you were anticipating at least 10 minutes and a deep dive on Tears of the Kingdom at this particular showing. And instead, we just got a, another run-of-the-mill trailer that it gave us some narrative, gave us some of the voiceover work that we'll be hearing from the game. We have a little more detail in the role Ganondorf is going to play in the title and you know Zelda's contributions with Link. But we're still largely left in the dark where it comes to how is the setup of Hyrule going to be different than that of Breath of the Wild? How is the sky really going to come into play when it comes to exploration and even from the narrative standpoint? Because in this last trailer, we saw Link, you know, on a horse going through the high rule that we had played in the predecessor. We didn't mm-hmm. see that much about the sky exploration. We also, but we did see a few new weapons and game mechanics and that, you know, that was refreshing because we did see that fresh element and concept that we will be engaging with when the game comes out in may but we're still left with those questions of how is this game really going to differentiate itself from its predecessor and kind of stand on its own rights as a worthy successor to what many people consider the best zelda game of all time with breath of the wild and you touched on it earlier it feels as though nintendo is kind of guiding us to a Tears of the Kingdom dedicated direct, be it in March or you know potentially April, just a month out from release, where we would get that deep, deep dive. We would mm-hmm. get a lot of gameplay and secure a stronger idea of what this game is looking to deliver. Because up to this point, I will admit that my hype for the game was minimal. Oh, same, same, same with me. You know, I really wanted to see something more here. And I mean, Tears of the Kingdom for all intents and purposes is probably going to be a very good game. It'll be in the conversation of a game of the year this year. I have no doubt about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of Tears of the Kingdom right now. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Like every time they've shown it, it's always been just a a slight um, pullback of the curtain and they've shown us a couple of glimpses here and there of some stuff, but Mm -hmm. nothing, we haven't really seen anything cohesive as a game yet 
in in traditional sense, and I'm sure that's going to come. We know that the game is coming out in May. The marketing machine is kind of about to to ramp up. We're going mm. to see a lot more of this game. There's a OLED Switch Tears of the Kingdom model, which is also rumored as well. I think that's that's legitimate. Unless Nate, you're telling me maybe it's not. I, I think it's real. Do you, do you think it is? It looks real. The OLED I mean, model. it looks real, and you know that type of release just makes a lot of sense we've seen it with other major releases for you know nintendo in a calendar year we had it with splatoon 3 we had it with animal crossing to not have one for tears of the kingdom would be be such an odd miss for nintendo and i think that also plays into that idea of a tears of the kingdom dedicated direct where they would release in detail that type of special bundle and then release it just about a month or a few weeks ahead of the game's official launch in May. So it does feel as though Nintendo is purposefully keeping things close to the chest. Yes, it is. And yeah, I think we'll definitely get a follow-up direct mm-hmm. for Zelda, like you said, either in kind of late March or, or sometime in April. I think that's a given. That would be a big surprise if we didn't get one. But I expect yes. that we will get we'll hear more about is the kingdom yeah it would be a very big surprise to me if we didn't get a dedicated zelda direct before the game launches and you know the more i reflect on it the more i think the idea that zelda was a secondary role in this direct was intentional because nintendo knows that is the tentpole for the first half of 2023 for them that -hmm. is the major release that they are building up to now if you had that major focus strictly beyond tears of the kingdom in this direct everything else would have fallen to the wayside that's true i mean and there were other big moments in this direct mm-hmm. as well so you're right i mean it it is a balancing act to ensure that they don't go too hard with tears of the kingdom because it could completely eclipse everything else and and all of a sudden you know it's it's not a great direct unless you know you're a zelda fan type of thing so mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense that they kind of wanted to balance it out. Um, so there was a, plenty of there for everyone to enjoy. And that's where, like, the tone of this Direct, it did set the tone for 2023, just not in the fashion that I was anticipating leading up to it. It set the tone that the first half of 2023 is important to Nintendo and that they have a magnitude of releases spanning numerous genres and numerous franchises in february we have kirby Mm -hmm. we have the surprise shadow drop release of metroid prime remastered then moving to march we have bayonetta origins in april we now have advance wars then in may we have tears of the kingdom and then come july we're going to have pikmin 4 Nintendo now has detailed or given a date to every single Switch game that they have officially announced for the platform, save for Metroid Prime 4. Right. And that is a curiosity that Nintendo intentionally did not date or announce a single game that is coming out after Pikmin 4. There is nothing left on their internal docket that needs a date except for prime four everything else is now known we'll be back after a quick break 
Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah, that's a good point. So what does that mean then for the middle of this year? I mean, it seems like we're going to get a summer direct in June potentially where they do showcase the back half of this year. Right now, after that direct aired, you know, I would agree with you that feels as though that is what it's trending towards because you don't need, you know, a big direct just for Pikmin 4. Mm -hmm. You've detailed it. You have dated it. We saw the new Pikmin in it. We saw some of the new game mechanics, and it's intriguing. But right now, we're left without that holiday game. We have no clue what will come in terms of a major release in that second half of the year. Right. And when you look at the reports coming out of like VGC and IGN that Nintendo has a light second half of the year, again, that term is subjective based on what do you want to quantify as a light release. Mm -hmm. And as we gave in our 2023 predictions, I 100% anticipate that Metroid Prime 4 will be a holiday release. And I think that does fit the definition of a light release simply due to its sales potential. The Metroid franchise has a hard ceiling. And that ceiling is roughly in the area of 3 to 3.5 million units. Not big by any means. And with the shadow drop of Metroid Prime Remaster being this month, a month really devoid of any importance, to bring the game out now suggests to me that Retro Studios has been waiting in tandem with Nintendo to bring Metroid Prime Remaster to market. And recently it was uncovered that in the European classifications board that Metroid Prime Remastered was submitted in July of 2021. Yeah, I mean, we've, I think we've always speculated that this game has been in development for a while, in, mm-hmm. in development for a while, and has been in Nintendo's back pocket for the right time to, to announce it. And look, Nate, I think you're absolutely right about uh, Metroid Prime 4. Uh, Now, in the last predictions episode, I said there'd be no Metroid at this show, which in hindsight was incorrect. But (laughs) I was was just, you know, hedging my bets because we hadn't really heard anything about Metroid since Dread came out. Mm -hmm. However, I think what we both agree on is that Metroid Prime 1 and Metroid Prime 4, a... Uh, kind of a package deal. They they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You can't just drop a date for Metroid Prime 4 without announcing Metroid Prime 1 or dropping Metroid Prime 1 first. Right. And 
I think the reverse of that is true. You can't just drop Metroid Prime and give us no more information on Metroid Prime 4 for the remainder of this year. That just seems mm-hmm. completely off to me. So I think both of these games are part of a bigger marketing blitz by Nintendo to you know, come to a, um, I guess, a, a big kind of crescendo at the end of this year when they release Metroid Prime 4. So I agree. The shadow drop of Metroid Prime 4 kind of showed Nintendo's hand on what they're planning with Prime 4 later this year. And I think it's coming out at, in the holiday as well. I think it's the holiday game. Yes, I mean, and that is a turnaround for for you because when we gave our it 2023 is. predictions and I was saying yep. Metroid Prime 4 will make this holiday, you were very hesitant to was, board that yeah. train. I mean, th- there's <laughs> been so many times where we felt like this was the time for Metroid to mm-hmm. be announced. And I think last year um, in September, in the September Direct, we we felt the same way that it was time for Prime 1. And looking back in hindsight now, we know that, look, Nintendo could have very easily given us Prime 1 back in September of last yes. year. But as we kind of have alluded to, maybe the reason why they didn't is because Prime 4 was still not quite ready. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, development issues, we don't know, right? I mean, we can only speculate. But I do believe that Metroid Prime, any Metroid Prime game is part of a bigger de- bigger thing to Nintendo and should be treated more as a collective rather than an individual game. And Prime Prime 1's Shadow Drop, which, by the way, absolutely incredible. We need to talk about that. Um, really just kind of, you know, made me pause and think, well, Prime 4 has to come out this year now. Mm-hmm. It, it's inevitable. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. When I look at the Shadow Drop of Metroid Prime 1 Remastered, to me, and this is a little conspiratorial, is that I think that was a public champagne popping for retro of a Metroid Prime 4 milestone being reached. That was their way of saying, we have crossed that marker where we're beyond fear of a delay. The game is progressing on schedule. Our schedule is have it out this holiday, and we now have the confidence that we can do it. And the next time you see it, we're giving it a hard date. You're getting a meaningful trailer and you're going to be playing the game within the next 10 months. And, you know, that was their way of uh, announcing it without actually showing us that project because they want to reintroduce people to Metroid Prime, show you that improved engine that they've been working with. I believe it's dubbed the Rude engine Mm -hmm. and kind of give you a nice appetizer as to what you're going to be seeing when you play Prime 4 on Switch later this year, early next year. And people say, well, we need the other two games so we can get that complete story. They're not concerned about giving you the entire narrative of the game. They just want to reintroduce you to the game mechanics of Prime. Exactly. And when Prime 4 is ready later this year, you're going to say, this is why I love this. And I get to see that evolution from Mm -hmm. the game that started it all in 2022 coming full circle in 2023 and you know this is a this is potentially a well played marketing plan by nintendo to sit on a game in the area of 18 months and just wait for that exact opportunity where they can say prime four is at that place where we have confidence that it's going to come out and 
you know, 10 months time. And now we're going to release Metroid Prime on the Switch and get people. We're warming them up to the marketing of our next big thing for this franchise. I couldn't imagine sitting on a game for 18 months, Nate. It's a long time. and Waiting for the right time to, to announce it. I mean, I guess we should be clear in the sense of just because it was submitted for classification does not mean the game was gold. Right, right. It still could go through the process of some polishing, some final testing, some QA processing. But it meant that the game was far enough along that Nintendo was able to submit video to the necessary boards where they could look at it and say, "Okay, we're going to give this game a, you know, whatever, a T rating Mm -hmm. or whatever for the respective region. But for it to be that far along in the summer of 2021, only to come out in the opening month of 2023, you don't typically see that from other companies. And we've seen this before in the past, just in the last couple of years, where games like The Last of Us 2 yep. went gold and then released two months later, which is typical. That's what we typically see in this industry, is that you're working up to the last minute Oh yeah, to have the game we- go gold and then release. And then you're working on a patch. Day one patch most yep. of the time. Doesn't yeah. end there. Instead... This game <laughs> was, uh, you know, it was finished for a year. <laughs> it's crazy. But it, yeah, I, 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 do, I do agree that the stars are finally aligning for Metroid Prime 4 and we will, mm-hmm. we will hear about it this year. Yes. And based on what we've seen with Metroid Prime, I'm, I can't wait to see what they've done with Prime 4. All of a sudden, I'm reinvigorated. Retro is, is, uh, is back. And I'm I'm very, very much excited to see what they've got for us now. Would you say seeing Metroid Prime Remaster has assuaged any concern you had with Metroid Prime 4 from a visual or performance standpoint? Well, I think it's it's just reaffirmed for me that Metroid Prime 4 could be one of the best looking games this generation on the Nintendo Switch. I mean, from what we've seen mm. with Prime 1, which I feel like is one of the best looking switch games it, it's it's got to be up there with like luigi's mansion and you know games like that that just a, a visual you know mm-hmm. just delights to to look at prime one is is near flawless for me the way it looks so i i do think that um uh, retro is is going to deliver with prime four and look i'll be honest i there was a period of time there where we were waiting for, for years and years and years for Prime 4 where I felt like, <laughs> what is the issue here? You know, is this a development hell type scenario mm. based on the, the amount of time that it's been taking plus the, I guess, you know, what you see in the media as far as high-profile people either departing the company or uh, coming to the company, it, you know... I'm not saying it's a revolving door of talent or anything like that. I don't think it is, but you know, we, we just hadn't heard anything for such a long time. And you start to question, well, why is that? Well, what's going on? Very, very similar to what we saw with Bayonetta 3, where, um, mm. you know, it was not talked about for years. And then when it came out, look, Bayonetta 3 is a, is a good game, but it also has technical issues. Let's, let's, you know, let's not mess around here. It's, mm. it's not great performance wise. So, you know, you do wonder what what retro is up to. Are they struggling with the hardware? But 
I, I do agree with you that I feel like Prime One's announcement and Shadow Drop was also a way to let people know, hey, look, we know exactly what we're doing with Metroid. We we have this <laughs> under control. And I I do feel like Metroid is um going to give us a really well a really well polished and a fine product with Metroid Prime 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I have I have no fear or concern when it comes to Prime 4 after playing Prime Remastered. Um, in terms of not seeing Prime 4 since the announcement now, several years ago, that mm-hmm. they were taking over development, I feel as though that was that was response to Nintendo announcing the game too early to begin with. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great point. Looking back, they did announce Prime 4 way too early. There's no reason to do that in the end. Mm-hmm. I think they should have just waited. I mean, honestly, even two years later would have been too early. They probably should have just waited maybe till last year to announce it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at all the factors, like we, you gave it to a new development team. Yep. Things just weren't coming together. You had already announced the game. Then you had to come out and publicly acknowledge that what had been announced has been scrapped and now it's been given to a new development studio. I mean, that's kind of, that's messy. Mm-hmm. And now the best course of action for them was let's stay quiet. Next time we show the game, it's going to have a concrete date. We're yep. not going to show the game, give you a vague, you know, 2022, 2023, and then potentially have to delay it again. You're going to see it one more time. It's going to have the release date. And then it's going to come out. It's going to do basically what we saw with Metroid Dread. One trailer, mm-hmm. release a few months later. Yep. And that is a nice marketing cycle. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see replicated here with Prime 4. And that brings me to the next topic that I want to touch on. That Summer Direct, as you alluded to earlier. Did this Direct influence you or sway you in any way to lean towards a general direct in june or do you think nintendo potentially could still just leverage a partner direct in june and wait till august or september and host a general direct then to detail their second half of the year oh i mean that's the million dollar question well first of all the fact that they didn't announce anything in the back half of this year kind of made me think that they probably will and I say probably, will give us a direct in the middle of the year, in Mm -hmm. June. I think if they wait till September with radio silence, that's probably not the right place. So I do think there's going to be a middle of the year direct this year. But, you know, that may not happen. They, They could easily have a mini or a partner showcase. But I think if they showed or at least announced first party games that followed after Pikmin, which they did not, then I would feel like there wasn't any need for a June Direct because we already have an idea of what what they're working on and maybe they would give us something in September. So I think based on this Direct where it's they're closing the door on us pretty much after Pikmin 4, we're going to hear more about the second half of the year plans uh, over the summer. That's that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, from a 
fan standpoint, I think I would have walked away from this direct having high confidence in a general in June. I'm a bit pessimistic to commit to that idea right now, because as right. you said, you're going to have tears of the kingdom come out in May. That's what they're building up to. And then you're going to have Pikmin four in July, a game that doesn't need a huge marketing cycle. It really doesn't need a reintroduction of marketing in a June direct. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have media events. You're going to have demos for the media and they're going to have impressions leading up to release in July they're likely to do a little, you know, Twitter marketing blitz where you're going to have trailers highlight the specific Pikmin, like the new ice Pikmin and some of the new gameplay mechanics. And that's how they're going to keep it in mind in a post Tears of the Kingdom world. Mm -hmm. And you can still just leverage a partner direct in June, because if you have some big third party games, not necessarily exclusives, but just quality third party games coming from your partners, that's how you fill that schedule. Yeah. Now we get into the summer months. We get closer to September in the Tokyo Game Show, where we typically have a general direct run in parallel with it. And there you announce, let's just say, Metroid Prime 4 coming out in November. A nice eight to nine week marketing cycle mm -hmm. for your next big game. Now, if you have other releases planned for this year, be it a 2D Mario, maybe an experimental Donkey Kong. You're not going to give those games these huge marketing cycles because if you wanted to, I think they would have had a presence in the February Direct. So anything yeah. that Nintendo has in the back half, they want to yeah. give a very tight, closed-off marketing blitz of just a few months. And that's intentional. That's by design. It's just now you can say as a fan, why, why would you do that? You announced Pikmin 4 a year ago. Yep. But this is Nintendo. Nintendo doesn't operate in rational, logical ways. They shadow dropped Metroid Prime Remastered, something that I don't think anyone would have had on their bingo card because... Not, not at all. How does that make not sense? <laughs> shadow dropping one of the greatest games of all time. <laughs> yeah. And a high-end remaster at that, not some, oh yeah, you know, subpar effort. Beautiful. It, I uh, I've been playing it and I love it. <laughs> now I'm thinking about F Zero GX, what they could do there, based on this. See. Different. I get it. It's a different studio and everything, but like, right. What what we've seen with this type of GameCube remaster on the Switch, I'm I'm excited about F Zero now. But it also now that kind of fits into that idea of. F-Zero comes to Switch. A $40 shadow drop? Could be. It, Why not? It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes, it makes total sense. You don't need a big marketing cycle for F-Zero. Just say, it's available now, retail yep. in a couple of weeks. Online multiplayer, go have fun. And people are like, whoa. Buy it, impulse buy. Some, yeah. Not even just impulse buy because of the price. But just more so impulsive buys because you're getting that hype. Yes. From it's available now. It's like, oh my god, I have to buy it. Like, wait, I don't even like this game. That's what I I mean, that's what we all did with Metroid Prime. <laughs> as soon as it was available, we just we all bought it. Yeah. Like I didn't even give it a second thought. I was like, okay, I gotta go to the eShop. There it is bought. And now I'm double dipping on the physical. As am I. Yeah. 
I have bought Metroid Prime one. Now, let's see, GameCube, Wii. Yeah, I have the same. Wii U. GameCube, Wii. I bought it on the Wii U, yes. Switch um, twice. Switch twice. In fact, I bought it on the Switch three times because I bought two physicals. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have this game a lot. Yeah, we have more copies of Metroid Prime 1 than there are Metroid Prime games. <laughs> Think go. about that for a minute. But, <laughs> yeah, for the Summer Direct, I mean, right now, I can't commit either way because I definitely see value in having just a partner direct, but I also see that value in having the general it really comes down to that second half of 2023 and what Nintendo has stored. Because when I look at this direct further, what it says to me is the switch is now in its waning phase. It is preparing to be sunset. Yes. Now the sunset isn't immediate. This isn't even at the horizon mm-hmm. of the sunset yet, but the switch is beginning it's downward trend. It's the end yeah. is near for it. It's not in darkness yet. We're not even at twilight phase. We still have a beautiful hue in the sky from the switch. But we know what's just beyond. Yeah, it definitely has that feeling to it that this could be the last big year of the switch. And ultimately anything after Pikmin 4, while they'll still be big releases and you know they'll they'll still sell very very well Mm -hmm. is probably not going to be um anything major in terms of you know scope and budget you know with no no mario games no no more zelda after tears of the king well obviously Mm -hmm. that's that's true um so (laughs) I, i think you're right nate i think there's gonna be a i mean Part of me feels like after Pikmin is is where they draw the line in the sand and say, right now it's time to now it's time to steer the car on the off ramp and start and start get, you know getting off the getting off the interstate mm. and thinking about what's next. But with that said, I'm going to ask you the million dollar question: Do Ooh. you think this year in 2023 we'll get an announcement for new hardware, or do you think um, that's probably going to be next year. I'm talking about announcement, not a not a release, just an announcement or even information, let we'll say, official information about new hardware. If you ask me this in three months' time, my answer may be different because we would have Nintendo's fiscal forecast mm-hmm. for the coming year. Right now, I would say no announcements in this calendar year. For new hardware, I think they would announce their intent for new hardware in the next fiscal year. And I'm talking in April of 2024. I think right. that is when they would begin the the first communication of their next generation system. But that's because on my timeline, I'm not expecting new hardware until holiday 2024. And there's still Switch games to come out. Like we've talked about, like Metroid Prime 4, there's still Fire Mm -hmm. Emblem 4 Remake or Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War. And I don't think there's also Remake games as well. Mm -hmm. F Zero, Donkey Kong, there's other other kind of things Mm -hmm. that have been talked about as well. Kid Icarus potentially may be a thing. Right. I mean, yeah, there's 
we're not we're not buttoning up the switch, oh. but we're we're taking the off ramp. We're starting to you know steer the car onto the off ramp and yeah, and, and and slow down. And that's why, like, if you asked me this in May, and we saw Nintendo's fiscal forecast for hardware, and like right now the reports out of Japan are suggesting that Nintendo is looking to sell twenty million pieces of hardware in the coming fiscal year. I would say that would reinforce the idea that we're not getting any announcement regarding new hardware until April 2024. Now, if they come yeah. back and the forecast is significantly lower than that, and I'm saying let's say like 15 million, Ooh. which would be a 4 million unit decline yeah. over could, the current fiscal could, year. That could be a tell. Yeah, that would be where you, you can see Nintendo themselves are saying, we're ready to kind of move on from this hardware. And mm-hmm. it's a little obvious in our verbiage that we're using in these you know the fiscal forecast but that's my expectation now and as you mentioned like with some of those rumored games we see nintendo do that as the hardware is beginning its end of life phase all the big releases that have been in development for the switch they will continue to come out but no longer will there be the rumors of a new mario kart a 3D Mario, another Zelda, a Splatoon, any of those key pivotal franchises. We're going to get new entries to Metroid Prime, maybe Kirby, maybe, you know, like a Paper Mario, FDF Zero game, stuff like that, which will just kind of coast us towards the end of life of the platform. Or as we saw from this direct, a lot of DLC to prolong the lives of evergreen titles just in this direct alone. We had DLC for Fire Emblem Engaged, Splatoon 3 with paid DLC. We have the Mario Kart DLC continuing where we're getting new tracks and we're actually getting mm-hmm. a new character with Birdo. Xenoblade <laughs> 3 got DLC as well. Yes, yeah, Xenoblade 3 is getting DLC with the paid expansion, which would be the equivalent of what Torna was to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And that's how they're going to pad out some of that second half release schedule too is with these dlc packages and that's how you kind of complete the life cycle of the switch dlc smaller releases of quality franchises but you're not just you're not going to have that big heavy hitter from your mainline franchises anymore they're beginning that shift that pendulum is swinging now Mm -hmm. and i think that's what this direct really told us is after prime four we're out of big guns. Yeah. We have nothing left right. in our inventory. The armory is empty. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's exciting because now we're starting to really get to that point where new hardware, it's not imminent, but it's it's slowly starting to become relevant. And yeah, you, uh, I, I think you're right about 2024. Well, I think this year the landscape of the Switch is not going to be disturbed by any announcements other than just, you know, um, specific uh, special edition OLED switches, maybe a special edition mm-hmm. light. But other than that, it's uh, it's going to be all about the switch this year. And they're going to, they're going to try push for that, for that 20 mil, but you're right. I mean, I think if they do adjust those numbers and I mean, part of me feels like they're going to Nate, let's be honest, 20 million. That's, that's a lot. Very, very aggressive. It's a, I mean, yeah. like we kind of touched on this in the 2023 predictions episode is you do have the Mario movie. Yeah, you got Zelda. 
you have Tears of the Kingdom, but you have to make note that there was no Mario game announced in this direct, which was definitely a curious. Absence. It was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Because we expected at least something Mario related. Like I, I kind of felt like they would show more of the movie and maybe tie it in with some existing games or something like that. But we got nothing really other than you know the Mario game on the on the GBA, for example. I mean that's that was really about right. it. And through and, and on the, the Game Boy version as well. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, some of the 2023 predictions we gave, like Nintendo Selects coming back, maybe the possibility of a price drop for the hardware, even though Nintendo has said that is not something that they are currently considering, but they do acknowledge they are in uncharted territory. Yeah. When it comes to a seventh year of a hardware system. So, yeah, officially, you're not going to say, yeah, we're thinking about a price drop because that's just going to anger investors. You're going to do that after Tears of the Kingdom comes out, because right now you're looking at that as a system seller at full price. So if there is a price drop to come this year, it's not going to be until the second half of the year, probably in the mid summer range. But if they do come out with that 20 million figure, you need a little more than what you've detailed so far to achieve that number, in my opinion. Because even, even if you have substantial Pokemon DLC and an expansion for Scarlet and Violet come out in the second half of this year, which we could potentially be seeing detailed at the end of the month with Pokemon days. I don't think all of these software culminations would be enough to achieve that goal. And keep in mind that right now, Nintendo had to revise their hardware forecast down for the Mm -hmm. current fiscal year. And yes, they had some shortages in Japan, and they continue to cite shortages as a minor issue for them. But, you know, 20 million is a high number. We'll find out if that number is accurate in just a few months' time. So, you know, Nintendo, Nintendo has a lot to consider moving forward in 2023. And the way they approached this direct was just strong first half. For whatever reason, this first half is important to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Second half, we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you, maybe. <laughs> but, maybe we'll get back to you. Yeah, but like now their, their absence from E3 and that uncertainty of how they're going to approach June with a partner or general direct, I don't have any clarity on that front right now. It's still, I mean, still a bit cloudy to me as to which direction they could go in. Yeah, I would. I mean, personally, I would lean towards a repeat of what we saw last year of a partner direct in June at this moment in February. Yeah, it's it's really hard to to predict at this point. I'm going to go the other way and and say that Hmm. there is going to be a general. I like that. I like the optimism. But we'll see. Now, last year was a bit of an outlier. I felt like it was. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. That's where it's hard to predict how these showcases will really go down for these companies because it's all about what you have and it's all about timing. And you want to, you know, really take advantage of that timing and the window. As we've seen, you know, Microsoft used June to detail the next 12 months. Sony came out last year with no real Sony showcase. They just did mm-hmm. state of plays. And that caught a lot of people by surprise where it felt as though Sony was just, hey, we got God of War Ragnarok. It's all we need. Bye. 
and Nintendo, Nintendo did Nintendo things. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with this Direct, they did bring another surprise, and it was another release of, why now? What was this? Why the urgency to bring this to the Switch? And it was the NSO editions of Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. Now, this was something been anticipating for quite some time back in 2021. We had discussed that Game Boy and Game Boy Advance had been through testing. They had finished testing before the N64 had even finished testing. Then in early 2022, the Game Boy Advance emulator had leaked with the codename Sloop. And, you know, you did an in-depth investigation about it to find out the legitimacy of it. If it did feel as though this was a true leak and it wasn't just some homebrew thing that someone on 4chan was trying to imply was official. And we discussed it, that it definitely an official thing. And it just Uh, led to that wonder of, yeah, where is, where is it? Why are these platforms not on the switch? Then all of a sudden February, 2023, Nintendo's like, Hey, you're going to get game boy, game boy color and game boy advance on NSO right now. And this was another thing we had talked about in our 2023 predictions episode of, Super NES and NES has dried up. We hadn't had a single new release on those services since July of 2022, and they need to give something to the base tier subscribers of Nintendo Switch Online. And now they have something. They have Game Boy and Game Boy Color. And if you're part of the expansion pack, you get Game Boy Advance. And this actually introduces a range of possibilities for NSO, and it furthers the value of the service that, you know, we go back two years when the expansion pack was originally announced and N64 emulation was less than admirable. Genesis was a curious addition. But now two years later, the N64 emulation is fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Genesis collection has grown and offered some fantastic games, Castlevania Bloodlines, mm-hmm. uh, Wily Wars, Streets of Rage, a lot of classics there. And now you're going to get Game Boy Advance. All of a sudden, NSO went from a subscription service of, eh, it's only $20 a year to $50 a year. I'm getting a lot of quality content. Honestly, it's Probably one of the best deals in gaming right now. If you like, if you like playing the old games, I will say. But yeah, I mean, we we've always been critical of the NSO service that it never really offered enough for your money. Now that may be a little silly to say because it only costs twenty dollars for the base, but mm-hmm. the NES and Super NES games certainly had have dried up. And it's been a while mm-hmm. since we've seen, I don't remember the last time we saw a Super NES game. It's probably been about six months at the least, I would say. And I just felt like even the premium service where you pay more money for it, it just needed that third pillar um, mm-hmm. to come in and really just round it out. And N64, yes, was was very, very uh, poor when it first released. And I was quite surprised that... N64 came before Game Boy and GBA. I feel like that was a, for whatever reason, a last minute pivot because when it came out, it it wasn't in a good state. And I just kind of felt like the developers probably felt like they wanted more time on it, but they rolled the dice. It wasn't good, but they've fixed it. And it's been, it's been fantastic probably for 
a year now. It's it's in a, in a really good shape. Mm-hmm. So with GB and GBA, we always knew that they had they had those up their sleeve, and the sloop leak from April of 2021, and the uh, the Kyoko, which was the the Game Boy stuff, that just reaffirmed that Nintendo is working on this stuff. But we never really knew when they would announce it. We kind of expected that it would be later this year in September, because that's generally speaking the time where they make NSO type announcements. So then mm-hmm. when they announced it at this show, just like Metroid Prime, you're absolutely right, Nate. This was also a surprise because they're in many ways they're kind of showing their hand on what they have for NSO in February. And that's just a little bit out of left field. And yeah. it just gives you more of that that why? ammunition to suggest that why are you doing this? <laughs> and I think you're right. I think, you know, it is all about um, the first half of this year. And, th- you know, this is a line in the sand to say that we're slowly going to start um, slowing down on, on the Nintendo Switch. But yeah. I, think that was, uh, I, I think out of all the announcements, even Metroid Shadow Drop, the inclusion of Game Boy, and then when they announced Game Boy Advance right after it, mm-hmm. was just absolutely unbelievable to really consider that that, that happened. <laughs> and, yeah, like, with these announcements, it definitely has that question of, why now? And, you know, I come with two answers when I think about it. And the first one kind of correlates with what we were just talking about with new hardware from Nintendo, and that's... I wouldn't bring these emulators to the switch if I had new hardware coming later this year, because I want this service to expand on the current switch. And I want that to be appealing for a period of time, at least a year. Yep. Because it would just seem odd to, you know, give you these new things like, Oh yeah, we're also launching a brand new next gen system in a few months. No, this is to make the switch appealing. This is to boost sales and learn some people, but it, also speaks to something that we had discussed last year and it is that transfer pack is something that has been data mined and is and it is a possibility on these emulators mm-hmm. now i bring that up only because you have game boy now and you have game boy color and what did those platforms have they had pokemon what is the n64 nso getting soon pokemon stadium Mm-hmm. Yep. Pokemon Stadium was very reliant on a transfer pack because it let you take your Pokemon and put them in the game and battle them in 3D for the very first time way back in the late 1990s. And it was wow to a lot of us. Now, when they announced Pokemon Stadium for NSO, they specifically said you can't transfer your Pokemon to the game. Well, at the time that made sense. Game Boy wasn't on the service. So you couldn't you couldn't do it. It was literally an impossibility but now that possibility opens up and announcing these platforms in february ahead of pokemon days it just feels a bit too coincidental to be by chance yeah, now maybe. i'm not you might be right like i'm not saying that come pokemon days that nintendo is going to shadow drop pokemon red and blue onto the service but i wouldn't be surprised if we began to see some communication from the Pokemon company to suggest 
that the mainline Pokemon games spanning the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance will come to the service over the course of 2023. Because right now we know the Pokemon company is on board for the service because we have the Pokemon trading card game on the list of upcoming games for Game Boy. Yep. It stands to reason that the mainline games are now in play. We also, on the leaked list of Game Boy Advance games, have Pokemon Pinball. Right. Now, it just feels so simpatico to bring the mainline games over, which to some people is kind of a selling point. And, you know, bring it full circle, transfer pack compatibility, have these different platforms communicate with themselves. And to go back to the Metroid Prime remaster, and I'm sure this this won't happen, but if it does, I'm going to tip my cap to Nintendo. Right now, when you play Prime Remaster, there's technically content missing. Do you know what content I'm referring to? No. What What do you mean? Well, remember, back are in 2002... Talk- what, are you talking about the GBA functionality? Yes, the Fusion Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. I was actually playing Metroid Prime on the GameCube the other day mm-hmm. um, when I made my video on, about Metroid Prime Remastered, and yes, I remember seeing that option. I was like, I wonder if they brought that option over and I looked at it and I was like, no, they didn't. I mean, that makes sense that they didn't, but yeah, that, that right. feature doesn't exist. You're absolutely right. But Metroid Fusion is coming to the it's expansion pack. To the expansion pack. Yes. I'm not going to say that they're going to create that type of communication between the app and the game where if you have a save file or whatever that you can unlock the fusion and prime remaster, but wouldn't that be a, Interesting patch. Yeah, that that would be interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> if it, somehow Prime could recognize that there's a save file for Fusion on the same switch mm-hmm. under the same account, that's possible that they could they could do that. No, I don't see why not. And that would be a really nice little uh, <laughs> cool thing for the fans, I will say. And. Like, I would say, you know, that one may have a slim chance, but like the transfer pack functionality, we know it's in the emulator. We know it is possible. So communication between Game Boy and N64 is certainly something that Nintendo can do. They were testing it. Yeah, I mean, and just to add to that, one thing about the sloop leak that was very obvious when I started going through it was the games that they were testing, they weren't just games that they plucked out at random. All the games that they were testing were obviously ones that they had either um, signed up to bring to the service. But more importantly, they were testing unique features of each game for specific reasons. And all of them have have different use cases and different test cases. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I remember when they were testing F-Zero under Sloop, they were wanting to make sure that that, that the, the map was flickering um, in the exact same way as the original hardware. And I know with other games, they were testing online fu- functionality for multiplayer and transfer functionality. So mm-hmm. it it does make me believe that a lot of these GBA games that uh, will come to the Switch could have these uh, hooks into other games via transfer packs or or, or whatever. But... I get the feeling that 
the GBA stuff, especially, is not just slapping on a bunch of ROMs into the service and calling it good. I think they're going a little, doing a little more than 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 that to really give a better overall experience. Mm-hmm. And we've already started to see some of those things. There's Rumble in what's the game that has the Rumble? Uh, oh, it's in it's in Mario and Luigi, and it's in Super Mario Brothers Three. Yeah, so stuff like that. I mean, that is. That is adding functionality where you don't really need to do that. So I feel like they're starting to take this service um, not to the next level, but they're, they're starting to really iterate and add more features to it. And I, I, I do think that everything you've said, especially about Pokemon, now that they have Game Boy and Game Boy Advance on that service, yeah, I mean, they could easily just announce Pokemon Red um, as part of that service at the next Pokemon event. And that's the thing is when I look at NSO now with the Game Boy line, it feels as though there is a lot of potential that they can explore in numerous ways. As you mentioned with the inclusion of Rumble for GBA games, now the Rumble had previously been exclusive to the Game Boy player when you were playing on GameCube. Yes. To notice that type of feature and replicated for emulation on NSO is commitment and dedication. That is really looking at those fine details over the years and saying, we had this functionality, let's bring it over to NSO. Even the inclusion of all the e-reader content in Super Mario Brothers 3, that's content that easily could have been forgotten with time. Yep. But they went out of the way to make sure it was something that this emulator and release would support and when you look at the game boy game boy color you have three filter options which would replicate the original game boy game boy pocket or game boy color now there is an odd omission where the super game boy is noticeably absent now the super game boy wouldn't have necessarily brought a lot of i say value as an option but it would have brought us the Super Game Boy border. It also would have introduced different types of color palette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of that seems like it would have been too difficult for the emulator to replicate, right? It would pretty much work out of the box. Uh, the only real difference is there's a different unique BIOS that runs for Super Game Boy. But I think otherwise the emulation should just work. So I don't think there was really much else that was needed to add Super Game Boy to this. Um, but hey, I mean, Super Game Boy technically is an NES ROM, right? So maybe it's something that they add later on. You know, we, we can't rule it out mm-hmm. um, ultimately. But yeah, it would have been nice if they actually added Super Game Boy to, to that service. I would have liked to have seen it. But for whatever reason, they did not. And again, <laughs> you know, we don't really know why they did that. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at these other screen filter options, it's... Not quite a one-to-one to the original Game Boy, but it's mm-hmm. very close to even what you get with an analog pocket. Yep. So, I mean, this these are fantastic screen filter options. And I'll yeah. ask you, since you do have an analog pocket, yeah, do you think the late introduction of Game Boy to the service was somewhat muted due to the analog pocket's arrival on the market a couple of years ago? I actually don't. Believe it or not, I think analog, really? I think I think there's different markets for this stuff. So the analog pocket is really geared for the 
high-end enthusiast that wants mm-hmm. um, a really nice screen, really nice um, experience, accuracy in in every facet of that emulation experience, and overall kind of reliving that nostalgia of having a portable handheld in your hand that is shaped like a Game Boy. So the difference I think with the NSO stuff is that this is really more for the casual market and the the, the nostalgia factor of of people like 40 year olds like myself that that grew up with the Game Boy and and you know used it back then. So I think there's room for both, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, you can always have that high-end boutique product like the Analog Pocket, which you can't buy anymore. I think, you know, they've they've basically made all the all the ones that they were going to, and that's that. Mm-hmm. But there's room for both. Um, and Nintendo is very smart to add Game Boy and Game Boy Color and advance to this service because there's a vast library of games now that they can start introducing that will keep people engaged with that service mm. literally probably for the next couple of years if they drop a couple of games every month that would i think that would be enough but mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I think ultimately it's there's room for both here and i don't think the analog pocket really made any difference to what we saw with with game boy and game boy color on the on the uh on the switch yeah, I mean, to your point, the Game Boy games on NSO also have the inclusion of online play amongst friends, which the Analog Pocket can't replicate. So if you want to play Mario Kart on GBA with somebody, mm-hmm. you would would you need a link cable of some kind? Um, that on the so, Analog Pocket for multiplayer. Yeah, so the, you can you can you can actually use a link cable on the Pocket okay. to play. So. Th- the way that you should think about the pocket is it's pretty much just a Game Boy. It's a replica mm. of a Game Boy. So you don't you can't just connect it to Wi-Fi and, and play with someone overseas. But if right. you have a link cable, um the cool thing about the pocket is if you have a link cable, you can connect it up to another person that has a pocket, an analog pocket, or if they have a Game Boy, that will work just as well. So it's compatible oh. with the original hardware. But yeah, very cool. very much a boutique product and right. very high end. A lot of people don't really <laughs> want to spend the the what is the the two hundred and forty dollars plus fifty dollars yeah. shipping for something like that. Mm-hmm. Where well, Nintendo offers it for twenty dollars for a year on on the Switch. So right, you know, and I mean that's the thing like online multiplayer and that that introduces so many possibilities with some of these. Game Boy Advance games, like if they bring Link to the Past Four Swords Adventure, to yeah. have online play of Four Swords is a dream to some people. I could see, I could see them doing that. Actually, I hope they do. Yeah, because I mean, it was a fantastic game that very few people actually played right. back then because not everyone had a Link cable or you didn't have a group of friends who owned a Game Boy Advance, and now that's. That may be a reality. And then you're going to have that possibility of online trading if they bring stuff over like Pokemon, Ruby, and Sapphire to the Game Boy Advance service. But even just on the OG Game Boy, you can play multiplayer with you know some of those classic games. And that 
that library just has so much potential. And depending on how Nintendo approaches this, this could really become an important pillar for their online service. They only detailed a few games for the Game Boy line right now. And, you know, they launched with a very minimal lineup. But there's that it's just that notion of aggressive expansion of yep. what will Nintendo do with it? Because right now, for just the Game Boy line, you have games which are Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare, Game and Watch Gallery 3, Gargoyles Quest, Kirby's Dreamland, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX, Metroid 2 Return of Samus, Super Mario Land 6 Golden Coins, Tetris, and Wario Land 3, with promise of Kirby Tilt and Tumble, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Seasons, and Pokemon Trading Card Game as some of the upcoming games. Now, just out of that lineup, that's a lineup of intrigue and great potential, because as we mentioned with the Pokemon Trading Card Game, it means the Pokemon Company is on board. Now, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Seasons, you got to wonder if there might be a little communication between those games, because you could communicate with them Mm-hmm. If you had both copies back in the day, right? you see it simplified or replicated here? We'll find out when they come to the service. Yeah. But then Kirby Tilt and Tumble, a game that used motion. Yep. That means the emulator is going to be using the gyro of the Switch to yep. replicate that. And that is, that's really cool to see. Yeah. I, I think they're going to do all those things. I think they... Ad- like I said, they're going to go above and beyond just standard kind of emulation. If there's a way where they can open up the game to introduce modern quality of life features, they will do that where they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I am personally more excited about what promise Game Boy and Game Boy Advance bring to the service than I am N64 at this point. Yeah, I mean... I think N64 for me is is still probably my favorite part of the service, but I will also say that a lot of the games they've already fired their shot on, and there's still some some games on the N64 that I want to I'm waiting for. 1080 snowboarding is one in particular that that I really like, but mm-hmm. yeah, the the GBA library is is arguably up there with some of the very best that Nintendo has. So I can definitely see that point of view, Nate. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm glad to see the service continue to expand and grow and offer more quality. And it was definitely a surprise of the Direct for them to just shadow drop it at the exact same day. And now we can go into some of the, our reactions of the Direct itself, which had a lot of third-party games. But I would say there's really only a handful of highlights for my own personal taste. So we're not going to go over, you know, each mm-hmm. individual one. We're going to focus more so on the highlights and the ones that stood out to us. And I want to start with level five because level five really lost their way many years ago. They started to pivot towards mobile where they didn't find any success. And to see them have a presence in this direct and somewhat of a meaningful way with Professor Layton and DECA police was nice to see. And I hope the company can rediscover what made them successful in the past before they started to focus so much on 
the their soccer franchise and the yokai watch where they were putting out a new generation it felt like every other month and they saturated the market with their own franchises to the point where they were no longer selling so hopefully now they can slow things down release quality games and become that important japanese company that they once were when the games come to market we'll certainly see if the quality is still there I thought it was nice to see level five kind of have a rebirth moment for themselves in this direct. Yeah, I agree. That was uh, actually a really cool moment and we'll, uh, we'll have to see what they got for us, but great, great to see them mm-hmm. uh, returning to the fray. So all the best. Hopefully uh, things work out. And speaking of resurrections, we had an old Dreamcast game come back from the dead, which was Samba de Amigo party central. And Unfortunately, this one's not coming with maracas like it did on the Dreamcast. So a little upsetting, but this is a sequel to the Dreamcast and Wii version of Samba de Amigo. And you know what? As long as the game controls well and it has a nice lineup of music, it may get my money this summer. I uh, I may check it out. I remember playing the game on the Dreamcast back in the day. It also came out for the Wii as well. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this was a cool announcement. I mean, Nate, you are talking about in the predictions episode what Sega would have in store for us. I said Sonic, uh, Sonic Adventure Collection because that's really more of a hopes <laughs> and dreams. But, yeah, Samba de Amiga was a, was a cool announcement for sure. Good to see it. Then we had We Love Katamari Reroll. Which I know you're a fan of the Katamari series. I am. Yeah, great games. I, I love all of those games ever since uh, the original one came out. Very happy to see this get announced. And Capcom. And if it's, and if it's, anything, came... like, if it's anything like the Klonoa um, oh, yeah. games, then it should be pretty good. Looking forward yeah, to Yeah, good effort on those. Then had Capcom come out of nowhere with a Ghost Trick Phantom Detective and Atlas with Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection. And one that I guess people have been expecting because there was a rumor was Botan Kato's 1 and 2 HD remaster. Now, this release differs from the rumor, which had suggested it was a remake of Botan Kato's 1 with Monolith and Nintendo involvement. Based on all the official communication put out thus far, this appears to be purely a Bandai Namco effort with little to no Actual input done by Monolith. Maybe they are a consulting role on the game, but they don't seem to have any direct hand in the development. In fact, the developer of the game is Logical Beat, and they were the developer of the subpar WWE 2K18 Switch release. Wow. Hopefully this is their redemption arc. Again, hope. That wasn't good. Um, I mean, based on the showing of Botan Katos in the direct, it looks like a very low budget, minimal effort style HD remaster. Like, yes, the character models are now in HD. The backgrounds are now cleared up, but it doesn't really feel as though a hefty investment was made here by Bandai Namco. I almost feel as though this is going to be one of those releases that has a very limited print run. It's going to get rare very quickly. It's already a niche franchise. Maybe... This release is something that Nintendo had agreed to with Bandai Namco because Nintendo 
does own Botan Kato's Origins, but the Botan Kato's IP is Bandai Namco's. And maybe the two had a conversation and said, we'll license Origins to you. We'll do this collection and it'll serve as a barometer of interest for the franchise if it sells well and there is a lot of interest in these games we can consider working together and maybe having monolith work on a new entry you know in the future but this this initial showing did not instill me with much confidence in this release but if you're a fan of botan katos it's probably going to be satisfactory enough for you to find enjoyment out of it it will not launch with an english voiceover it will be strictly japanese nintendo owns the english voiceovers for origins so whether or not they weren't willing to play ball here or if it's just a matter of simplifying the process maybe we'll find out as the game gets closer to release but it's hard for me to get excited over a product that feels a bit like a you know, I, I don't want to use the term lazy. I feel as though this is just a it's just a low effort, low budget affair. Mm. I don't really have much to say about this. It's not my cup of tea. Um, I think it's cool that it was announced. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see what this looks like when it comes out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I think the direct itself, you know, it was a strong direct. It definitely set the tone for the first half of 2023. Did very little to communicate with us anything beyond the summer or beyond july of this year but nintendo made a statement first half is important they have the releases in the coming months and you know they kind of now have us on edge of what's going to happen come summer Mm -hmm. agree looking forward to it should be exciting yeah there's some good announcements i like this air of mystery yeah for sure that uncertainty of what does Nintendo have planned for next? There's nothing on the schedule. The lineup is now empty, save for Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> but now we can go to some of the Streamlabs questions we have for this week. And because we have a, a lot of Streamlabs to go over, we're only going to do half this episode. And in our coming episode, in just a few days, we'll do the second half of the questions that we have accumulated thus far but you can continue to donate and ask questions and we will add it to the list for next episode and our first question for this episode comes from skittittles who donated three dollars and they write long time no see my friends i'm sorry i haven't donated in so long i have to ask do you think we'll see pokemon red and blue and pokemon stadium shadow drop for nso at a Pokemon Direct later this month. I don't think we'll see necessarily those games shadow drop at a Pokemon Direct or Pokemon Days, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see them mentioned. Yes. But I would certainly welcome a shadow drop. Ben had a dollar donation from Thomas Cantrell. Right. If Nintendo is releasing new NSO platforms like Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance this late in the Switch lifespan, surely it means that all the NSO emulators will work on Switch 2. I can't see why they would release all this on Switch, then start over again on Switch 2. I think 
the NSO service and its emulators will carry over to whatever comes next. I don't think that's a difficult undertaking. Miyamoto himself has hinted about about how much easier it is now to uh, run old games on on new hardware. So yeah, I I think it's just going to carry over. Then had a dollar fifty cent donation from Co-op. Right, is Microsoft regretting going all in on Game Pass? The streaming bubble seems like it's bursting, with most platforms struggling to get by. With games like Gears of War, or God of War, and Zelda selling millions at seventy dollars, Microsoft has to be regretting going all in on Game Pass just a little. I don't think they're regretting going all in on Game Pass. Game Pass has proved quite lucrative for them. It's more of a case of Microsoft just hasn't had a big release since Halo Infinite for the current generation. Now, when Starfield comes around, that will likely see strong sales as well as drive Game Pass subscriptions. So I think they just need to get to that one major release and then we can have a better and more accurate gauge of how impactful the service will be. And I think that release will be Starfield. Mm -hmm. Then had a $2 donation from Lie Sork. You're right, Nate and MVG. Appreciate the content you bring to the community. Nate, your podcasts and forum posts are great and provide good insight. MVG, your YouTube channel on retro systems and games is highly enjoyable and informative. Thanks for what Thank you. you both do. Appreciate Thank it. you. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Jackie G. He writes, what do you predict happens first? The next state of play or the Starfield Direct? State of play. Probably the next state of play, but I... I wouldn't be surprised if the Starfield Direct follows very close behind. Then had a follow-up dollar donation from Jackie G and writes bonus question for this episode. Do you think Dragon Quest 12 releases on the current Switch? All a matter of timing. If the game comes out, let's say this year, then it'll be on the current Switch. Yeah. I'd say that's even a possibility if it comes out next year. Dragon Quest and Square always like to have a nice foundation and user base when they release their games. They don't like to release on zero. Then had a dollar donation from Skatiddles. It writes, in honor of Valentine's Day, I wrote you guys a cute little love poem about what I want from Nintendo in 2023 and beyond Mario's Cappy is red, Nintendo's logo is too. If Nintendo doesn't announce Endless Ocean 3 soon, my balls will be forever blue. <laughs> All right. They may be forever blue. Sounds like it. The blue ocean effect. <laughs> and then had a dollar donation from Enix93. All right, hey guys, Nate, can you tell us what kind of info you have on the Wind Waker Twilight Princess HD versions for Switch? Are they in development? Do they exist? I am curious if you could tell us if these games maybe are finished or are waiting just like Metroid for a drop. I don't believe they're just waiting like Metroid for a drop. I believe these were games that were just 
very highly considered to come to the platform at a time and not necessarily went into like a full port development type of thing because they would have been fairly simple projects. So it always, based on like how I was always hearing about it, it was kind of a case of they can come to Switch really at any time, but it didn't necessarily mean that they were in active development. Maybe someone else has more up-to-date information on those releases and if they could still come to the platform but i think this late into the generation i would say the ship yeah has sailed i agree that's a curious one for me as well but look we, we always have to remember that games get scrapped games get held back mm-hmm. and games are readied for the marketing cycle that nintendo feels makes the most amount of sense. And right now it's all about Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. We we may hear about it after Tears of the Kingdom in the back half of this year, but I would think that we're probably not going to hear about Wind Waker HD this generation. They may just have it up their sleeve for, for what's next, but do those builds exist somewhere? They probably do. I think I think a lot of people have also corroborated that you know, Nintendo was working on this stuff. So we'll we'll have to see if we finally see these games appear. It's probably not going to happen on the current Switch, though. Mm. Then had a $1.55 donation from Bluey. Right, so Nate, please tell Nintendo... Wait, please tell me Nintendo will bring Dreamcast to NSO. All I want is to play Dreamcast games anywhere on my Switch, and I could die happy. Really, though, what's more likely, GameCube or Dreamcast on NSO, or both? Please say both. I think GameCube is more likely than Dreamcast, but that that doesn't imply that GameCube is going to happen either because there's clear evidence and, and reasoning to suggest that the way that GameCube is going to be handled is on a case-by-case basis as either remasters or remakes, as we've seen with Metroid Prime, as we'll probably see with F-Zero, Baton mm-hmm. Kato's, all these other kind of GameCube releases that are being brought forward, they're going to be done individually mm-hmm. for whatever reason that, that may be. So I'm going to say none of those are possible, to be honest. Dreamcast would, would be really cool, but it's, that's, yeah. not gonna, that's not going to happen. I would love Dreamcast, though. It would be nice. Sorry to let you down. <laughs> <laughs> you then had a $1.20 donation from Sturm. All right, Nintendo doesn't really have a justification for randomly charging $70 for Tears of the Kingdom. They just see PlayStation and Xbox doing it and think they can just whimsically do it as well, except mm. they don't have a new console to justify the price increase bad form we will discuss the 70 dollars pricing of cheers of the kingdom in our yep. next episode in just a few days yep we're, we're just compiling our thoughts and information about the price increase rather than just going into it full of emotion so mm-hmm. we'll definitely be covering that um in the coming days you then had a five dollar donation from hero of time writes nintendo did end up releasing a mario game mario game just in time for the movie after all Super Mario Land 2. That's yeah, true. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You are correct in a literal and... It's like saying that it was a Zelda game last year. 
Majora's yeah. Mask. I mean, you're technically correct, which is the best yep. form of correct. Then had a $2 donation from South Coast Horizon. Well, Metroid Prime looks and plays phenomen- phenomenally on a regular Nintendo Switch. Who would have thought? Is there any legitimate reason why studios just couldn't better optimize what's present for the current hardware? I mean, it ultimately comes down to a case-by-case basis for the studio, the budget, timing. And, I mean, this was a first-party game that was in development for a number of years. Clearly had a meaningful budget behind it. This was a project that Retro had started before they were given Prime 4. This was their switch project there's other factors as well that that makes prime remastered so good the first one is retro developed the original game and they're remastering their own game so who who better to remaster a game than yourselves your own studio so that's that's number one so look at you know a game like like dead space for example it was you know motive that 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 worked off of what visceral was doing uh, and I'm not I'm not saying that Dead Space is, is not a good game. It's a fantastic game. But when when the game was originally developed by Retro and was remastered by the same studio, that's that's a big deal. And second of all, you have to remember that the source material is fantastic. I mean, I've when I made my Metroid remastered video, my Metroid Prime remastered video, I was playing the GameCube version quite a bit. And I just can't believe that that game came out in 2002. Like I have to just <laughs> sit back and just really appreciate the the work that went into the original game. So I guess what I'm saying, the point of what I'm saying is when you've got a phenomenal baseline to work with, then, you know, um, that really goes a long way to having a phenomenal remaster at the end of the day. When, when the source material is is fantastic, then you know the ground is there. The, the groundwork is there for you to really just come out and release a phenomenal remaster, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. That had a dollar donation from South Coast Horizon. Writes also Xbox Game Pass subscribers, please check out SD Gundam Battle Alliance, the most under the radar release of 2022. Art Dink did a Really good job on the game. Mech combat titles are coming on Renaissance era. I have a uh-huh. backlog problem. I'm I'm slowly <laughs> starting to drown in my backlog, Nate. So Uh-oh. I I still haven't finished Dead Space. I'm, I want to finish hey. that. I'm playing Metroid Prime Remaster now because, of course, I am. Of course, and I'm about seven hours into that. I'm you know I'm I'm three quarters of the way through. I'll probably finish it in a couple mm. of days. And then I have to play Hi-Fi Rush as well because yes. that is a very good game. Yes, you do. Once once those are done, then mm-hmm. it'll be time for Resident Evil 4 Remake. So some of these other games are just going to have to wait till later on, Man. unfortunately. And that's the thing. Finish those. Resident Evil 4 Remake is going to be here. Then Advance Wars yep. is going to be here. Then Tears of the Kingdom is going to be here. And then Redfall is going to be here. And then Starfield is yep. going to be here. Yep. And then Pikmin 4 is going to be here. We're rating good this year. Did you catch you catch that lineup, how I put it there? Yep, I heard you. You hear what I, yeah. <laughs> All aboard that June shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a $5 good twin 
donation and they write you have mentioned before that you weren't sure if the canceled nintendo hardware was using the nvidia t239 drake soc but did you have knowledge of the performance for the canceled hardware what performance teraflops were you hearing i won't give out any specifics in regards to the teraflop number but performance range was in the range of a playstation 4 pro Mm. now I, i couldn't say either all I heard was faster processor, better performance, more memory. So, I mean, I think that kind of matches up a bit with some of the leaked Drake SOC details, but I would have to refresh my memory and relook over those files. And our last question for this episode comes from Inkblot, who donated $3 and writes, Pikmin 4 is finally real with Ice Pikmin, a puppy... And the return of Caves. This is such a fantastic franchise that's been cursed to release on consoles with small install bases, GameCube and Wii U. Time to bet. Does Pikmin 4 sell over 3 million copies? Yes. Yes. Pikmin 3 Deluxe did, so I believe Pikmin 4 will easily become the best-selling Pikmin game when it comes out later this year. I agree. And that was our final Streamlabs question for this episode if you'd like to support the channel we have a Streamlabs link in the description below donate any dollar amount ask a question we will answer it at the end of the episode donate 100 dollars or more and we will dedicate the episode to you and today's episode once again is dedicated to shamsa as well as all of the listeners and supporters of the channel we humbly thank you for your continued support and with that i'd like to thank mvg for joining me as always was a pleasure, Knight. Thanks for having me. And let us know your thoughts on the Nintendo Direct and how you believe the Nintendo Direct may have influenced Nintendo's approach to 2023, new hardware, and beyond in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the age.